Hey everyone, welcome to our 200th episode. Before we get into it, I just wanted to give a few disclaimers. Uh, We ended up talking about some pretty important topics, both politically and personally, in a really exhausted state. Uh, So we just like to ask that you give us um, some slack while listening. Give us the benefit of the doubt if we're talking about things in a, a raw and imperfect way. Of course, if you have um, genuine feedback, we're open to that as well. Also, later in the episode, we get into a conversation about mental health, including some pretty uh, extensive, though not graphic, discussion of suicide ideation. Uh, We give another warning when we get there, um, but as usual, listen with your own discretion if that's not something you need to be hearing about today. Maybe skip over that part or wait for a time when you're... um, better prepared to handle that kind of conversation. Anyhow, uh, have some grace with yourself, have some grace with us, and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. And Alia. And this is oh. the 200th episode. We are on 200th, well, 200th of the English episodes, to be specific. Yeah. So, welcome. Sorry, the Arabic episodes that you haven't that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that and the episodes we had to take down for reasons. Well, I think with the, even the episodes we have had to take down, we've replaced them with explana- explanation ex- episodes and thus filled the gaps with those numbers but so i think we are legitimately at 200 Do we want to so expl- explain now like just the people who like are not filled in on that what sure yeah well yeah because like this is a kind of this is an episode where we are going to reflect a little bit on how this pro- podcast has evolved um it's been going on for four and a half years more even more than that and when we began, you know, we, I think Ellie and I maybe each knew one other queer Arab, you know, in total. And we didn't know the direction of this podcast. We thought, okay, let's just put out three episodes of us talking and see, is this something that is going to be sustainable and that we want to continue with? And then we thought, oh, okay, we have this friend. We're going to ask our friend Shiam to come on for, as a guest. And we had an amazing episode with her and then but then after you know a couple with people we knew and we were friends with and we trusted we started kind of blind uh reaching out to people who we had just kind of vaguely heard about um and two of the people if i'm remembering correctly uh i believe it's only two episodes that we had to remove um one of them was uh she was i think she was like the second or third episode with a guest um and we started getting messages about how she was sexually harassing people online um so we had to eventually have an episode with one of the people who reached out to us about you know what had been going on for a long time with this person um how much she has violated people's um boundaries and yeah sense of safety um and then the other experience was with someone who and I believe 
we also had an episode to explain this, right, Ellie? The the yeah, someone a religious leader who turned out to be extremely transphobic, even though um, I mean, she presents herself as very uh, feminist, very progressive, but the transphobia became very apparent online um, from this person. So we had to remove that, and we had um, I believe we had someone who was more aware of her kind of patterns and the culture of her um, like the spaces she creates and just the lack of safety that some people feel in those spaces so we I, I think you know I definitely learned a lot from both those experiences of just you know when when you base a connection solely on like a shared identity of any kind, like you're kind of opening yourself up to potential risks. Cause if you don't know anything else about the person and then you're also putting out this um, pretty vulnerable conversation, usually the first, I mean, oftentimes with our guests, we have exactly one conversation with them like that a lot of the times that you're hearing episodes from us, it's the first time that we're actually meeting someone. Um, that has changed over, I mean, the whole like, what we know ahead of time that has changed because we usually have some background on the guests and we, we know things they are involved in. We have several mutual friends or acquaintances, um, but at the beginning it wasn't, that wasn't the case. And so we were having, you know, we that's what led us to have these like couple kind of flukes where um I even like after the first incident I even thought like maybe this we're not cut out for this because it was so emotionally taxing um we were we were threatened with three different lawsuits by people like two of the people anyway I I don't know how much I can be you know specify about that ellie yeah, but, like but, maybe you know okay so, <laughs> confidentiality wise so yeah. what's but let me put it this way what's changed um basically anyone we have as guests these days it's usually like you know we talk to some of our friends who we've made also through the podcast and be like oh yeah i know that they do good, good stuff or one of the, one of our friends says hey i know this i heard about this really cool person they they went to university with me or it's always, or we did an art show together and she was just amazing to hang out with or, oh yeah, he was my ex-boyfriend, something like that. It's right. We at least have, I think at this point, more people who are, um, also yeah. public about their identity. So it's just more people who like, even if we kind of found them in a cold call way, there's just... Mm -hmm more information available not that everybody has to be have a lot of information publicly available about themselves but between that and like personal connections it's a little less in the dark these yeah. days plus there's uh, more of a journalistic endeavor like more journalistic pay attention paid to queer arab folks so you know we can we can see like where else they've showed up and used as opposed to just like somebody's you know website promoting themselves yeah i mean unfortunately though um i don't this is not about the podcast but like sometimes you also just don't know right you can know people for a little bit and unfortunately you find out that their values were not what you thought they were 
Um, Which ranges from like yeah, that's always really hurtful. Nali is mouthing things at me because this is something that has come up in our lives lately um, outside of this podcast. Um, but it can come up in the podcast too. Um, so yeah, that's a thing. Um, yeah, a lot of times. Yeah, that's true. A lot of times, like you. Yeah, things just evolve or devolve over time sometimes with you know, connections. I, so, it, yeah. yeah. For better, I, I, or, worse, think, uh, for better or worse, people change. You know, sometimes they change for the worse. Yeah. And another thing I think a little more related to the podcast is unfortunately, I still see this happen where, um, although there's more like coverage of, um, like various queer POC at this point, there is still such like a novelty and tokenism aspect uh, to that coverage that it can be hard to, a lot, like some really problematic people are still getting positive coverage just for creating a space for a minority group that's not very um, well acknowledged, right? Like I, I, I know we've seen, um, some like positive coverage of some people that we know have been pretty harmful yeah we're we are not referring to anyone in houston (laughs) great now everyone in houston's going to think we're referring to them okay uh just okay actually i think i had an example in mind but i actually mean this in a general wait wait are are you talking about me anybody right now and we're not talking about anyone who's been on the podcast for to whatever degree we are referring to people. Well, I don't even think this person listens to the podcast. No, but I also don't want to think, I don't want anybody else to think this is about them, right? Now, yeah. Now yeah. Okay, this, this, <laughs> maybe, okay. Um, but I, I think I, I, I actually mean this honestly not in like some like Not like vague booking on, on podcasts fake booking <laughs> yeah maybe i'll do that later I'll, I'll get shady later but i i actually do mean that um and i feel this way also like it's it's i think there's still some taboo about um giving negative attention to like marginalized groups that still get aren't getting very much attention even if it's just calling out the problem problematic behaviors of a particular individual that's not not related to their identity it's just like somebody kind of sucking yeah what were what how did we get here i don't know oh but, yeah i asked you to clarify yeah. the taken down episodes so thanks for yeah thanks for I, doing that I, I am going to remove a part of what i said so if anyone heard a weird audio skip it's because i removed something that i probably shouldn't say um anyway so yeah um this is a very clumsy episode and i'm not i'm not mad about it like i wanted this to be just like us last time we were just kind of talking shit about our lives some people liked it so we're gonna try that again yeah we tried to put some planning into this episode it was it failed lack lackluster but the one thing that we did say is that we wanted to talk a little bit about the world cup i i am not prepared to talk about it but like ellie has some commentary about family dynamics 
surrounding it. Do you want to like? Okay, so so this is like a four. This is obviously a four-year pattern with my family. It's like, for the most part, my family does not give a shit about sports. Like, not in any visible way. We don't watch. We don't watch football on Thanksgiving. We don't care about you know local or you know past sports teams we've like seen. Like I could give less than a shit about the Houston Rockets, even when they're winning. So, and I could, and generally my feeling about sports is that they are generally, a, at least in American sports, that they are generally a blight on the city and take taxpayer dollars from more important things. But all that aside, every four years, my family gets super hyped for World Cup. And this is after, you know, three years and 11 months of just not saying anything, not caring, not paying attention, like... In a month, if I say anything about Chelsea or Manchester or, you know, the forward on the Moroccan team, um, no one's going to know what I'm talking about, and neither will I. <laughs> but that's, but you know, but for this one month, this magical month, we know everything. And it's so bizarre to me. That you is know? interesting. Yeah, I guess. I, I kind of get it um i don't know there is something more exciting about being able to like root for a whole country's team yeah i i get that yeah. and everyone and was like super... whole international um celebration bringing together yes um, I, I get that yeah like, when it's like a worldwide united um whatever i i don't know i think when when anything's kind of like the center of uh, worldwide uh, attention. It's it's kind of hard to fully disengage or. Which is fair because like it. for some places it's like the first positive international attention, at least from the United States, that they've gotten in forever. Like I think I saw like Pan Arabism come back to life for Morocco when it was in the when they were like looking pretty good in the World Cup. You know, suddenly oh, everyone yeah, totally. cared. About yeah, everyone suddenly like cared about Morocco. And I'm not I'm not telling Moroccans like how they should or shouldn't identify, but like all of a sudden, like for other Arabs who before were like Moroccan Arabic isn't real Arabic, it's like Morocco is unquestionably Arab. And also for anyone on the African continent, it is unquestionably African. So like the most people can feel like they they personally are winning the soccer exactly. game right now. <laughs> but you know, the the Lebanese got the double dip because, you know, um france went to the finals oh my God. I, I, I think i knew a lot of lebanese people rooting for argentina mm, fair because of like that all that crossover which makes sense there's a yeah. lot of crossover yeah um i don't know nothing against the french players but i can't root for france as an overall concept <laughs> that is entirely fair but it's more like me just poking fun at the whole you know everyone in Beirut thinks they're French or something. Uh, One I, thing that I, I was, not, I was, I know some, not those people. <laughs> yeah. I, I was getting so pissed when people were acting like some people online were acting surprised by how diverse the French team was. Yeah. Did you, uh, yeah. And like French racists were going at the French team too. I mean, so like I said, nothing against yeah. the players themselves, just like, 
the concept of France. Right, the right. Concept right. of France. To be fair, um, like yeah. French racists will take any press they can get. It's French. Like right, okay. Racist, I don't know. I I don't want to be like an expert on French racism because someone in France is listening to this, knowing more about French racism. Racism. We know nothing about. Okay, you know what? I I will revise that. Racist will take any um, press they can get. No, no, but I was gonna say like the French French racism is like a weird, different flavor, because they don't. They're all like, we don't have race in France, but then they're like racist. <laughs> it's so weird how they make them both happen at once <laughs> isn't that just like don't just white americans just say i don't see color yeah it's kind of that that's but true it, it... but but i guess i guess but okay the french left will act like there's not race also which is different than the, the american left even if they're like yes there's yeah. there's class reductionism but not as much i do but, feel like i do feel like some of the white american i don't see color people do identify as like left-leaning you know yeah which is fucked and, up too you know what um, we're making this episode what? about white people and it's not even about them that's true okay, I, oh, I just one, okay. one thing i did want to say about like why the world cup is exciting and then we'll get into why it's bad but first let's say why it's exciting um I feel like soccer is one of those games where it's not just like the rich countries that are going to be automatically better at it. And I don't want to be like, everything's a level playing field, whatever. That's not, I, I'm not, I honestly don't know enough <laughs> to say that kind of thing, but um, it's, yeah, like it, it's not necessarily a sport that you have to have a lot of money to like get started in and, become really good and I think that works on a national level too um which is why you can have like countries beating the shit out of their former colonizers potentially yeah moving on to the bad bad um, okay um people in Qatar who built the stadium and built everything were fucked over um so that yeah, I got really pissed at people who were dismissing, like, and I, I'm not necessarily having an opinion on, like, whether you should or shouldn't have boycotted the event, because, like, I wasn't, it's not like I was about to go there anyway. <laughs> that wasn't really, that was You were like, the, let me, let me I was cancel like, oh, my, my, my ticket already. Let me yeah, just let me my cancel morals. my Qatar flight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, but I saw some like either diaspora Arabs or like Arabs from other countries acting like it was just Orientalism or like just the Western media that was um, behind the criticism of like the abuse of migrant workers. And like, look, maybe maybe the 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 way it was written about was slightly stereotypical but how the fact that you're focusing on that like this some like subtle stereotyping above like the blatant racism and like labor abuse that goes on with the kafala system i don't i it, it's just 
I don't know. It struck me as like weird, weird focus. It's like weird hill to die on when there's so many better ones all around you. Yeah. And like, and I feel a little bit differently about, not entirely, but somewhat about people who found like the coverage that was focused on um, like queer rights or women's rights to be orientalist. And I guess the difference there is like, that is like an existing trope, right? But I don't feel like there's like an existing trope in Western media about migrant workers in the Gulf. In fact, I like don't remember reading a lot of articles in Western media about that topic at all. I feel like the average American knows zero things about that. It's not like, oh, right. trotting out that classic racist stereotype about about taking away people's passports when they come as migrant workers. <laughs> yeah. Top of everyone's minds um, in the media. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and like, I, I think it's like actually yeah. good that yeah. some attention was brought to it, whether, I don't know. Right. Right. Much. Yeah. And maybe something but I good still feel hopefully but it's also hard when the context is just overshadowed by like this is a celebratory event for so many people yeah what let's talk about okay let's talk about what we feel about the like all this discussion about queer rights and like the the rainbow protest bracelets and that kind of stuff I, that didn't even register with me and I'm usually like on top of that too it's just like I yeah know. I didn't I didn't really clue in or, like I don't know for some reason okay, I didn't so I, I guess um a lot of foreign not for, well everybody's foreign it's the world cup <laughs> a lot of um, teams that came in and maybe also spectators that were coming in um were like this is a homophobic country citing legitimate laws that like criminalize queerness. Um, we are gonna stand up for our values by wearing these um, like rainbow either bracelets or like other rainbow things. And it, for the, the most part, and I would love to hear from like queer organizers and people more like connected to Qatar and, and the Gulf in general. But a lot of people really like no one asked for someone. this. Like this, this isn't this isn't what people wanted. This like no yeah. one was like, you know what I need? I need you to wear a rainbow bracelet. Right. It, it just felt like one of those things uh that like I don't a lot of there seems to be very little acknowledgement. Um, when, when it's talked about like, oh, being gay is criminalized, that it's like criminalized differently depending on who you are, just like all like quote unquote morality laws apply differently to different people. I think especially in Gulf countries in particular ways, like if you're local, you're gonna be more, um, I don't know, more surveilled about that stuff. Versus like if you're a foreigner and like the, the more, the less adjacent of a foreigner you are, the more you get away with stuff. Yeah, I saw a TikTok recently that was like, oh, you, it was like, you know, a white woman being like, responding to someone saying, oh, you have, um, 
you as a gay person are I, I don't remember how how it was it was like something about you as a gay person are not facing challenges and like real challenges anymore and then her response was well my sexuality is illegal in this many countries around the world you know and it's like you don't fucking live in any it's like, country. exactly it's like yeah you sure you're maybe you'll be at risk if you travel to any of those countries but like you have the option to leave a lot of people don't yeah and i think for the people who i also look and i'm not i i, I totally understand like if you're traveling somewhere for like fun you do want to like feel safe there like i get it same but to the people who make things so much about themselves as like especially a tourist with a privileged passport and especially if you're white or like not a local and also not like a race that's marginalized so you're gonna get racist treatment also like if that's you and being like i am unsafe as a queer person here without any acknowledgement that like you're not the primary person being targeted and i, I saw things like that for people who are visiting for the world cup making it so much about themselves and not to say they're not at any risk but without acknowledging that the primary group of people being targeted is like queer people who actually right. live there and, and same whatever with, uh, actions are yeah. taken to be supporting that 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 um interest yeah you had people doing that you also had people getting pissed that they couldn't they were not free to drink alcohol um but it's like oh, all of these people were visitors and they kind of yeah and you know I know those are different, obviously, two no, separate I issues. I think they're kind of related. Like, in a way, they're related because yeah. both of both one of them of is the, more serious than the other. But no, one is yeah. way more serious. However, both are kind of this expression, this like messaging of my freedom is being threatened here now that I've arrived here, or my rights are being threatened. Which, like, yes, it sucks that there's like it sucks that there are restrictions and you know, harsh consequences. Um, but the, like you said, like the main people affected are locals and people who deal with this like on an ongoing basis. And, you know, the only time it's really getting attention now is when people are there briefly making it about themselves and then they're free to leave. Okay, I'm going to literally complain about every group of people and every take, so it's going to sound like I don't like anybody. I'm sorry if I'm coming off this way. Whoever's listening, I don't hate you personally. I'm just kind of a this is just day. a complainy episode. Yeah. It's fine. Um, so I also, <laughs> but also some, um, you know how there's a particular brand of like Arab activist or Muslim activist whose whole message is like, our culture and religion are good and it's it's definitely meant to combat a certain kind of racism but like it's such a simplistic messaging um that got a bit annoying about that that kind of stuff um where it was like even in taking down like western orientalism regarding homophobia which was legitimate it's like you're I, I saw so much 
about that from people who've never expressed any opposition to homophobia itself. It feels like, oh, it's just their culture from the other end. Yeah, yeah, right? It's like, no, our culture is great and they're attacking our culture. And it's like, wait, wait, wait a second, there's, there's some, they're also, okay, wait, nuance here. Um, and then even about the drinking, I, I saw something that was like, this is what a beautiful event looks like that's not centered around alcohol. Taking away alcohol can be such a beautiful, and it's, I'm not against like non-alcoholic celebrations. In fact, like I wish, if you live in New York, I think we should have more of those. <laughs> Hit me up, can we like do an yeah. event at a bookstore? Um, but we're talking about like the criminalization of alcohol in a whole country which like the US in the prohibition period goes bad in a lot of ways. Hey, this is Nadia from the future here to clarify a few things. I may have skipped a few steps and sounded like I was implying that alcohol is 100% prohibited in Qatar, which is not the case, even though it was prohibited at the World Cup stadium and is restricted in different ways. Um, basically, I was thinking about some influencers who took those images from the World Cup and were using them to espouse the values of a totally alcohol-free society, which is what um, inspired my comparison to U.S. prohibition and to other countries with uh, even more extreme anti-alcohol laws. So I stand by the idea of what I was saying there, but don't want to promote any misinformation and like i don't who right i'm like, sorry like who of us yeah. does not know somebody who's lived in a country that has um alcohol prohibited that has a drinking problem like okay yeah why are we this stupid i'm sorry right exactly we have to be like our culture is so superior and we don't have violent alcohol brawls we just have people celebrate i don't know <laughs> right right it's like yeah, I mean, my my family had a lot has had a lot of issues with alcoholism, and they're Saudi, and it's like a place where supposedly alcohol is not a thing. But yeah, I, there's a clear like there's a clear correlation between like these like chokeholds that people are under, and then kind of the resistance to an extreme right and it's like you can't just have a, a regular healthy relationship exactly with alcohol if it's not incorporated into society and not that any, not that not that it's necessary to drink yeah. if you don't want to that's not I, I, we're talking exactly. about like laws here not like personal habits yeah exactly i mean um, i personally i'm i love alcohol and um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't die if it were suddenly banned either. It's just like, I love the occasional drink or two at social occasions, but I also get like, but I also have friends who, you know, did struggle with alcoholism and who, you know, are to this day at AA and, you know, and like, I get it. It's a part of our, like American culture to drink and alcohol. And it's a part of a lot of the people, the cultures that came here and a lot of the local culture as well. But like, it's a... I guess what I'm saying is it is, it, but like, it is part of the cultures that are saying it's not part of their culture also. Yeah. 
right? Like, and I, I mean, I'm not to go off topic, but I feel that way about like other substances too that are illegal here and that criminalizing them doesn't help people who have substance abuse issues. Well, that gets into the whole messy bit yeah. of American prohibitionism and who it's meant to punish. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of American drug laws were meant to punish, you know, uh, people of color, um, hippies, you know, yeah. and others. Whereas, right. But that also gets into the whole, you know, racism, classism issue is who are these laws actually enforced against? And that's, again, we're getting wildly off topic. World Cup, bad. No, I think, I think we're staying on topic. Here, and here for two reasons. I think we're staying on topic. Um, I think selective enforcement of laws is really on topic here when we're talking about a like alcohol prohibition in the Gulf, like is like rich people can still kind of do what they want, right? And um, and also I think going back to people misunderstanding like criminalization of sexuality and gender expression and how that doesn't apply equally to all people across the board. I, I, I think I've explained to people who are like having difficulty understanding like how there could be nuance about their like it being illegal to be gay somewhere. I'm like, well, is it illegal to smoke weed in America? Depends on who you are, right? Um, and I, I don't, maybe I'm rambling in that, but I, I, I think what we're talking about is like laws prohibiting, <laughs> prohibiting different things, applying differently to different groups and they're not being enough acknowledgement about that. Am I making sense? Yeah. I, I mean, it's like, don't assume like all cultures and law enforcement are a monolith too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we basically just said everything we've said in like every episode. We're not a monolith, folks. No one is a monolith. Yeah. We used to say that. a literal statue. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we actually said the monolith thing a lot in the first year of our podcast. And we haven't said it for a while. So I feel like that was a nostalgic moment. What if we like made a statue of <laughs> yeah. like our logo and it said we are not a monolith? In statue form. Coming soon to the Queer Abs. You're on to something. Coming soon to the Queer Abs podcast merch store. The monologue. Oh my god. That's actually really clever. Um, We are now accepting design submissions for anyone who wants to design a monolith for us. (laughs) Or maybe we can shittily do it ourselves. Like, here's a large hunk of plastic and waste of space. We are not a monolith. Printed on the world's uh, shittiest wait. 3D printer. Can I say <laughs> one more thing about the World Cup? The Tukataka yeah. song slaps. The what? Tukataka with uh, Miriam Ferris and, and Cardi B. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Should we have that? Oh, no, then we'll get a we'll, we'll get, get a take, take down <laughs> noticed. <laughs> Never mind. We will not be playing that in our outro. We yeah. learned the hard way. Um, Go search on YouTube or some other platform where you don't get takedown notices as quickly. Yeah. yeah. They're or, not like 
or at least fix not, this in not. 72 hours or yeah you know what um yeah go listen to go listen to it in places where we don't have to deal with a takedown notice so yeah um do either of us or any of us want to give any life updates i actually am not feeling like talking about my personal life right now much i don't know why but i'm just not so i was struggling before this episode because most of the things i want to um rant about are like a little too specifically related to certain jobs to just talk about on a podcast um so i'm gonna do the verbal equivalent of vague booking right now i love it vaguely vague things that are bothering me um i'm getting really frustrated at how people will be pressing and pressing you to like use your voice more and and give your input and speak up and then when you finally do it's not exactly what you want to hear what they want to hear so you're demonized for it yeah and, and you're you suddenly as 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 talking politely and maturely and in a well thought out yeah. and genuine way and then it's just received as aggressive and i'm i'm kind of a little bit going through a thing about why how often i'm perceived as aggressive or even the positive version of that like wow you're so assertive and you take no shit when in reality i actually Take, take a very large amount of shit and um, only bring things up when they feel necessary. Like it would be extremely problematic to overlook them, but not, um, not in any way like arbitrarily provocative or enjoying conflict. And that's not how I'm often perceived even by either whether it's a negative way of people who think I'm too aggressive or even in a positive, like, wow, you really, you don't take shit. You really like stand up for a thing. And it, it's just, it's just weird. Cause even if it's positive, it's saying like when I'm at my most mild, that's already considered extreme. So don't go any further. My experience with you has been, you were the chillest person, one of the chillest persons I've ever known. Thank you. I, I, I'm conf I'm confused about whether yeah you really are like it's, it's weird it's just weird to be perceived as if I'm like angry when I actually like have I, I have like reverse anger issues like I have difficulty expressing anger and I express it as sadness instead I don't know like I, I, I mean I mean, who, I mean, I guess that's the acceptable outlet. Like, I cry at everything. I'm too upset. Yeah. I cry. I'm too angry. I cry. Right? I I see a Disney movie. I cry. I don't cry at Disney movies, but like, yeah, like <laughs> cry on trains. Um, I don't know. These fries are so good. <laughs> I cry. So that's my. Was that good vague booking? I think that was successful. Okay. Um, I will comment that I think some people just truly don't know how to handle any version of honesty. And when you say just like 
oh, this is how it is. No matter the tone, no matter the approach, the kindness yeah. you like give with it. Some people just are not prepared to just take on an honest conversation. And it's, it's very sad. Like I, I, I hate how common this is because I struggle with this. I struggle with this non, I mean, this has been like a lifelong issue for me where yeah. like, I think, I think I'm being, I know this is different because you, you have kind of a naturally like very just like chill demeanor. I don't really have that, but like, I, I feel like I'm saying something in a way that is palatable and then yeah people receive it as like so aggressive or confrontational and it's just like I'm literally just saying speaking a fact or you know um and it's frustrating when it's I'm, like where's the disconnect here I think some people have been like taught to be like allergic to any kind of disagreement or conflict and think that's like a battle like I I feel that we um I mean like we, we all like we're not just friends we also have worked together and have had like disagreements and conflicts within that and I feel like we like are able to resolve that really well pretty quickly because we're too. pretty like not that I don't we know don't... that just seems like an important thing to be able to do like I like I, I think yeah. that's part of like working with somebody or like whatever having any kind of relationship is being able to talk through like disagreements and stuff yeah right? and like it does know. no good to just repress that shit yeah because it's like you're gonna resentment's gonna build and so i don't get yeah i don't really get why people choose that approach of like okay this inevitable resentment is gonna keep growing versus hey let's just like deal with this minor thing now um and it won't escalate i think also some people are very attached to the idea of them their own perfection not just that they are perfect but that like the idea that they're imperfect or might do something wrong or might have been like not the victim in a situation i mean it's also it's like so so like deeply about like not like i think that's a normal thing that happens to people sometimes but i think for some people that's so deeply uh like destructive to their self-image ellie what were you gonna say oh um so in corporate settings there's always like this passive like very passive very you know we centric voice that corporations love to use in their communications but when you set up some these sort of committees you know these suggestions are may not be couched in that same sort of passive voice plus any you know suggestion of racism it is hard for like if the people receiving it are not like openly amenable to like openly ready to receive it it feels like an attack on them because they're like well I'm in charge of this and I'm a good person and I'm not racist. Right. You know, I'm the good Karen. Right. And I, I the, but what I was thinking about wasn't about racism in particular, but like it totally comes up with racism too, where like your identity is so much about being not racist that like, 
instead of being like, yeah, that thing I did actually was, was yeah, that was kind of racist. I should not do it again. It's like a, a deep personal attack. Yes. Um, or, yeah, because right now in, in like American corporate culture, um, it is seen as extremely toxic if you are seen as racist or sexist. So people, when they when they get that sort of criticism, whether it's, you know, their department or them, you know, where they bear any responsibility, it, it feels like an attack on them. And they have this visceral reaction because, you know, in the corporate culture, again, it's, you know, racism and sexism are super bad, even though, you know, there's a lot of that to go around. It's just, it's, I, I think it's just like too much like middle managers and like C-suite folks thinking that they are the culture. You know, it's funny. I'm like, I mostly work at organizations that are too small to have middle managers. So I'm like, what are those? Um, I, 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 um, I mean, it depends. I, I have multiple workplaces, so it depends where it is. Um, but I think sometimes in nonprofits and like in the arts, it's, it gets weird because people are so like personally attached to their work that there's not a lot of separation between this is a thing that's going on in a workplace versus like this is you and your whole identity and your personal character um which i understand like and i understand taking things personally right like i get it but at some point we got to step back and be like this is still a workplace and if people are not being treated in an appropriate way in a workplace setting. Like that has to come first before like your personal reaction to hearing things. Yeah. Anyway, so I, no one knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do. Vague casting yeah. successful. Um, no, I know. So would I anyone feel... else like to vague? Um, I think the old one thing I'll vague cast about is that a friend, a former friend, got in contact with me recently. We had a, we had not spoken in six, Jesus, almost six years. Um, after falling out, which Ellie witnessed, um, this person was very like just a pathological liar it turns out throughout most of our friendship we were friends starting in middle school um and anyways so six about six years ago we had this huge falling out when i found out just like layer after layer of lie um and she was like texting our mutual friends behind my back while we were all in the same apartment it was just it was just like everything all the shit hit the fan in that weekend um and she reached out this year saying she still considers me her best friend and loves me and blah 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 and she'll do anything to you know for our friendship to rekindle and blah 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 and so i you know i tried to do that thing that nadia was talking about of like oh, let's talk about things honestly. And that did not go over well. She saw, she saw it as an attack. Whereas I think I even showed you this email, Nadia, 
like my response was very mild very mild response yeah yes it was a very like just here here yeah. were my issues at the time i want to know you know do you see what do you see what i meant like your transphobic remarks were um not okay and i gave her examples and she was like i've never had like whoever's saying this about me like you're gonna believe them over me as like you know i saw texts that she was sending people they showed me um she has some very very deeply rooted internal biases also homophobia tendencies are there but she she just she has not gotten there she has not made any like seemingly has not made any progress since our last contact like almost six years ago and you know it was kind of like it was it was actually very disappointing to see because i thought okay she reached this point where she seemed to genuinely want to like make amends and talk for the first time talk honestly about the real issues and that was the sense that i got from her email to me and i was proven wrong very quickly and i was seen as the attacker at the end um as a as a result of being honest and being direct and i am i am known for among many people for being too reactive or too like i don't know whatever and I was not that way in this case. I was very even-tempered, very like, uh, very not forgiving, but very like, hey, I'm really open to hearing your perspective. Like, that's all I want. Um, and that, you know, was taken as, I don't believe a word she says, I'm attacking her. And so that's been kind of a sad, like resurfaced, resurfaced grief that I've been dealing with just that it, it feels like a loss of a friendship all over again that I thought was already done um so that's something I've been dealing with just kind of like processing that all over again and seeing like you know this this was like probably my longest friendship um and we were she was someone I counted as a best friend since middle school, which it's pretty rare to have that for multiple decades by that point. I mean, we were 30, no, we were 31 when this issue happened. We had been friends since we were 11 or 12. And that that's a very, like, you would think that's a sustainable relationship by that point, but, um, it was it was just kind of hard to realize that no matter how long something can last like yeah there can be changes or um you might find out you know things weren't as they seemed in many ways um you might find that they are easily influenced by like toxic people or values 
Um, and in her case, that was the case. So that's my vague booking, vague casting I for mean, today. That was per- that was pretty specific. Can I ask? I something? guess it was. <laughs> yes, please. I, yes. I think I think something we talked about recently is also that like there's a lot of um, I think as a, like in society there's a there's a certain type of space and like respect giving to like grieving a breakup. And that we get that that's like a hard thing and like right oh let's be nice to Susie because she just broke up with her boyfriend this is a hard week for Susie and like that that's not really um that recognition isn't like given towards losing friendship, friendship yeah. even though like in a lot of cases they're like longer or like a thing that you don't expect to end so in, in some ways it's yeah surprising and like, a lot of exactly like friendships like certain friendships like that i mean we were children when we met yeah and it's like we saw each other through our childhood teen years like all of our 20s and you would think like you know witnessing someone's multiple eras like that and being a consistent presence would be a sign of sustainability in a relationship and i agree there's not at all enough recognition of like this is an actual real type of grief that like is i mean there are the the stages of grief like i went through all of the stages like i wouldn't accept it at first and you know there was deep sadness later on and anger and all of the things like um and just kind of a lot of gaslighting of myself of like how did i not see xyz this whole time and blah 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 um and then also like am i overreacting to xyz you know certain elements of this whole thing Ellie, you had follow-up questions? Is that what you said? Yeah, I was wondering, like, what did she expect, though? Like, did she just want to say, I'm sorry? Or or was it more like, we both said some things that you regret? I think she was expecting both. I think she wanted a quick, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for this. Let's just pick up where we left off. And it doesn't work like that. Because she will not own what she did. She won't own, like um i don't know just that she kept trying to manipulate the situation and gaslight me and try to tell me that like our mutual friends were fabricating their perspectives even though they all aligned and hers is the only one that truly makes no sense Mm -hmm. so yeah that's been a hard thing lately it's also I feel like that's... when somebody's clearly in a different reality and like you think they might actually although they're being manipulated what they're saying you're like maybe they actually believe it and in their mind right victim, right not really anything you can do to ellie, do so that's my fake casting anything <laughs> you want to make cast ellie oh i was gonna say like that's sort of like expecting to say I'm sorry and everything is better now. Let's move on with our lives. It feels like that's just like 
It's almost like the red flag for me in every bad relationship I see like people in. It's just like, oh, I said I'm sorry. Let's just move on. I actually can't think of any real healthy relationship she's had. Um, like, including with, I mean, with some friends we had, I thought we had a pretty solid group. But outside of that, I think she was surrounded by a lot of manipulative people her whole life. Do you have anything you want to vague cast about? Um, you know what? Yeah. I'm sorry, but my life has been pretty good lately, so I unfortunately cannot How contribute. How dare you? I, I don't have content because my life is good. Wait, I'm I realized sorry. another topic I want to talk about, but it's like maybe too, maybe this is too much of a downer cast. I, want, I, I, I was thinking about the conversation when Isamar came in and we were talking about like socially, why, like having more socially acceptable ways to talk about like non-urgent suicidal thoughts. And why that's oh yeah, yeah. Should we, can we, should we talk? Is that yeah, so well, that I can, oh, okay, what's up? Um, so this is the official trigger warning for the episode since we're talking about suicide. If you are not in a headspace to listen to this, we totally understand and have a good day. If you are actively suicidal and need help, there are various hotlines which vary by country. Please look up when appropriate to you. We are not mental health caseworkers or crisis personnel. We are not trained for that. And, and we are, and I, as much as I feel for each and every every person who's going through this, as I myself and others on this podcast have had these experiences, um, yeah, we're we're not the ones to come to. That said, Alia. okay, oh, okay, that's I'm glad you said that. Um, so I am in the process of looking for a therapist. I went through this whole process last year. Um, I'm I've reached a dead end both times, um, and it's really exhausting explaining to potential intake people the same issue over and over again um and it's also been a triggering process for me to like repeat to a bunch of people why i'm wanting therapy finally um and so that makes me want to give up anyway the last time i spoke with a potential office they asked me these standard questions. Do you think about, do you have suicidal thoughts? Do you think about harming others? And I say, no, no, no to all of them. But I also am like, well, I do have ideation. You know, I like I get in these modes where I do think about what would it be like to escape or what would it be like for all of this to end? Um, but I think and I think it's pretty common that people like go there in their minds. Um, and I think we should be allowed to talk about that without it like always ending with, oh, we need to, this, there's obligated reporting now at this point. And it's hard to find that balance because like, because I'm saying no to all these questions, none of the um, therapists are able to do anything beyond waitlisting me because there are more priority cases, which I completely understand. I think therapists are very overworked, especially these days, like during pandemic times. But it's also like, it's also been really triggering to me because I know this is not on them at all, but like 
the issue that I'm coming to them with was dismissed when I felt dismissed when I was younger. And now I feel like it's being dismissed again as like not serious enough. And so part of me is like, do I just be honest and say, yes, of course, sometimes I do think about suicide. Like I'm a human being with like really varying emotions and have, you know, gone through pain that has led me to think about it. In my act, I have not, you know, like, I, I personally have not actively tried to make that happen. But it's also like, okay, at what point can I? Do we not give a fuck until you're trying, you know, like, right? Like, do I, yeah, do I have to say that I'm, I think about it in order to get a therapist to talk to me? But if I say too much of that, like, will I be reported and like checked into right. it's like, what's a the facility perfect, what's the that I'm not of suicidality to just right to and just I don't want to like I I'm not at a point where I think I need to be checked into any facility and be unsupervised watch you know like I and be supervised for my safety but like and I don't think I should be taking space in a place where someone else might need that but I'm also like, is this what I have to say in order for a therapist to be able to prioritize my case? Because like, I don't know. I just feel like I'm kind of going through some new, much lighter trauma, like going to all of these. Like, and one of the, one of my big anxieties in life is making phone calls. So I'm having to make phone calls, say like, you know, kind of summarize in 30 seconds, like the worst experience of my life that I have never confronted and have, have to like repeat that over and over and be told, sorry, you're on the wait list or like, sorry, we can't take you or whatever. Um, so I think, yeah, there's a, it's a very fine line of like how much can we as a society confront the fact that I think many people have suicidal thoughts at some point in their life um, because death is the ultimate escape. <laughs> um, but like how, how much are we allowed to just freely talk about that with each other without being deemed as like, you're too much of a problem case you need supervision immediately like or this person is needs to be watched or whatever yeah uh, there's like no acknowledgement that that kind of stuff can be a spectrum and I think a lot of it does come from like the medical like forced um forced hospitalization thing yeah but I, we're talking okay so we're talking about this yesterday, yesterday in, the con- yeah. in the therapy context but then I was also thinking about something kind of um related just more about like social discussions of suicide um like lately especially among dancers there's been a lot of response to um Twitch boss's suicide because he was 
a public figure that a lot of people looked up to um, and a lot of people felt that really strongly. Um, and as a result, there's a lot of, you know, check on your friends type of um, commentary going around, which I think is well-intentioned, but also feels like we're so, I think a lot of people are pretty, who are saying this are pretty ill-equipped to check on their friends in a way that matters. And I don't know, it just made me want to ask people like, do you feel that you have a social setting in which you can discuss non-urgently active suicidal thoughts and ideations? And I mean, I, I feel fortunate that like, I do, I, I have people who like get where I'm coming from when I say things as someone who's like, not right now, I'm not like anywhere close to being actively suicidal, but like that, that has always been a part of my thinking for as long as I could remember. Um, and I just, I don't know, it, it all just seems empty, like in a society where you can't say that, otherwise it's an emergency it's automatically perceived as an emergency whether it is or isn't like yeah is there is checking on your friends going to create any meaningful conversation before it's an emergency i, I think not. it's so yeah and it's so hard because yeah. it's like on the other end of it you don't want to be the friend who ignores signs yeah but i i think so it's that, like but I, yeah it's hard balance but I think there is, I don't know, like it, it's, a, it's a spectrum, right? And I think on, that doesn't mean you're always gonna be able to accurately tell where along a spectrum somebody is, but acting like it's all one thing seems pretty. Yeah. Gosh, I don't know. Also some of these things, they just come across as if like the, the idea is that there's this one depressed person who is like pulling away and then there's all these other people around them who are of course totally fine and not depressed. <laughs> and they are the ones who need to be doing their duty to check on the depressed person who isn't texting them. And these people are all not depressed and therefore really capable of texting and dealing with other people's emotional problems. And I've like never been, I, I don't yeah. know what town is this in. <laughs> in like That's in what so person town. Like I, I, I it's it's hard because yeah I don't know I don't know I think like most people but. in the arts are like have gone through a lot in the past few years like mental health issues are really common also if you ever fucking like tried to build a community around marginalized identities you probably got a lot of people who have a lot of shit going on and it's not just like wow this like one depressed person needs to be like checked on by these other like people who are very have a lot of emotional capacity <laughs> yeah like so mentally always healthy. mentally healthy <laughs> yeah and to uh, be fair as somebody who's been on like the other side like and who is also kind of a recluse at times uh, yeah. like you know sometimes it's even ch being checked in on it's like sometimes no, it's not I'm helpful fine. Yeah, and it's like you you give it's like you're too used to like people not caring. It's like, no, I'm fine. It's like, or you're like, look, I love the fact that you care enough about me to ask these sort of questions, but it is 
it's eight. I haven't slept in two days and I have to work in the morning. So as much as I would love to have this cathartic discussion, you know, adult life beckons, you know? Yeah. Also, apart from the like specific, I don't know. There's a lot of more on the check-in topic than the like mental health or suicide topic. Mm -hmm. some of the some of the suggestions I've, I've seen for like checking in on people on social media are just bad ideas like it's like when there's a hate crime it suggests that you like everybody check in on friends of like the marginalized group to whom the hate crime was committed which just like sometimes it's just you end up with like a bunch of weird texts from people you haven't seen in a while and aren't really like the type of people you want to talk to about that topic and you're just like this isn't helpful right i don't know yeah that's like, kind of an aside that's not really really also it's like why why are you showing up with all this concern now are you feeling guilty yeah or like maybe they're well-intentioned but like i don't know I'm and gonna... i i know this is just my opinion and some other people actually really want to be checked in on like uh in in that way and they were maybe upset if somebody didn't if, if people in their lives were like not checking in in that way during strings of violence maybe that's just not a, a way in which i relate to people personally but i don't know sometimes i'm like just because somebody made this uh an infographic about it doesn't mean it's like a good way to be a friend necessarily <laughs> yeah well i've had i've had a friend who made a post once that was like, you know, instead of, and I guess everyone needs different things, but yeah. her, her point was like, instead of making these like kind of empty, like check off on your list things, you know, oh, express empathy for X, Y, Z or sympathy, like offer the person something tangible, like, oh, yeah. hey, hey, you're probably, I don't know, like, I, um, I think she gave an example where there was a certain marginalized group who was being kind of attacked um, by, yeah, anyways, and she was just like, hey, uh, maybe, maybe your friends who are, who have this identity are not feeling safe leaving the house right now maybe offer to like instacart them a few grocery items or yeah. do xyz instead of instead of just being like hey here for you if you want to talk period. right yeah i think that's that's a good idea i think anything deliveries are usually helpful whatever state you're in yeah i don't yeah, know yeah. yeah her her point was just yeah her point was just like okay if you're if, if you're gonna yeah. even if yeah and even if you can't offer something that costs money like if you're going to genuinely say like hey i care and like i want to pitch in right now maybe at least take a take a moment to think okay here's something i can offer Right. um yeah. even if it's just like i made you some food so you don't have to cook yeah. yeah yeah or just 
yeah, just anything that you think like, okay, this might actually be useful to the person right now, rather than giving that person extra emotional labor of responding to your, I'm so sorry you're going through this message. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously context matters. I don't want to like make sweeping statements about like a good way to be a friend to every single person. Like maybe also if, if it's somebody you like talk to every day, then yeah, you're probably going to be like, how are you feeling? That would be totally normal. And helpful. yeah, versus someone you didn't talk yeah. to for years. Um, yeah, I don't, I guess my point is that like those kinds of sweeping statements seem at least like misguided if you apply them like across the board and some people apply them just like across the board we also yeah. have off topic so yeah i mean podcast. this is <laughs> what podcasting is yeah. um anyway i feel like i've gotten all my big testing out say, like, something good? i don't think we didn't talk about very many good things today yeah, I, I'm gonna say a good thing. Yeah, let's do it. Fifth graders had their end of semester dance showcase, and they did a great job. I knew it. I knew they would. I called it yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a psychic. Um, that's great. Aw, I know. Um, they were iconic. Oh my God, total icons. I can just. I. I can only imagine i'm so glad okay that was a good way to like end this <laughs> this whole thing um let me think of something good um i made some soup yesterday and it, it's so good as a second day soup and it was extra good today and that it's the entire story on that mm. but it's some like soups you, are just you, you, so you good like knowing that it was going to get better exactly and, like, and you have like tasted the second day on the first day you just had to be exactly a it required patience and i allowed i allowed my patience to take over yeah um and it was worth it how about you ellie anything good you want to end on <laughs> end with um just that i really love my friends and everyone who's been talking to me this past month We've had some good conversations, and this includes you too. Mm -hmm. I hope everyone had a nice holiday um, break, since we are releasing this after Christmas, I believe. Yes, yes. And it... we'll have a wonderful new year as well. Yeah, we will. Happy end of 2022, everyone. We're almost done processing 2021. Mm-hmm. 2020 actually We're still, still processing 2020 oh, yeah man, you two too. are behind the curve yeah yeah a little shaming. behind yeah. <laughs> i don't know when that year will make any sense but it hasn't yet no. so <laughs> all right thank you all for listening i hope you got to the end if you did i appreciate you and oh. no shame for those oh. who didn't because you know the trigger warning they're not hearing well, this they're not even hearing this um but yeah. we're not shaming so, them anyway exactly um okay 
you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the Queer Arabs and email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. And you can, 